Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. That portion of God's word which we consider this morning, the Holy Spirit caused the Apostle John to write for our comfort and our learning. We place a special emphasis on these words. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let us pray. <clears throat> Thou hast died for my transgression. All my sins on thee were laid. Thou hast won for me salvation. On the cross my debt was paid. From the grave I shall arise and shall meet thee in the skies. Death itself is transitory. I shall lift my head in glory. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, it is a common argument today that all religions are the same. All of us have heard this argument. And so it is important for us to understand not only why they make this argument, but why this argument is false. People today in our relativistic world love to ask with Pilate, what is truth? And they do this so that they won't have to decide which religion actually teaches the truth. They place Christ's religion among a number of other religions, and they say, look, they are basically all the same. They basically say that we should love each other. Why do we squabble about all these minor differences? And why don't we just let people think what they want to think and keep the main core of love each other? Then we would have peace. But there cannot be a myriad of truths, otherwise there is no truth. The law of contradiction militates against that. Jesus calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father but by me. Now, why is Jesus so exclusive of other religions? Why is he so intolerant of other so-called truths? Because no other religion gives the truth. Now, they may have something of the truth in them. There are similarities in other religions, definitely. The law of God is written on man's heart. That is, God created man to love him and his neighbor. And that is why, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you can find in basically every philosophy and religion of note. And so almost all of the languages in the world have a word for sin. I think the only one that, didn't, that hasn't had a word for sin was the Hmong language which the Lutherans had to invent the word for sin because they didn't get it. But most other religions do. And or, or languages do. And almost all languages, pretty much all languages, have a word for righteousness or good. And every person on earth judges and appeals to a higher judgment in his life, in his relationships with others. If someone cheats on his spouse, the spouse will appeal to a higher love than the cheater has shown to judge him as having done evil and everyone agrees with him. If someone steals what another has worked for, 
then the worker will appeal to a higher good than what the thief has shown in robbing him. If someone tears down another's reputation, the slanderer is judged as having done wrong, having fallen short of the good that we would like to receive from our neighbor, that we should aspire to. Every religion has this. Every religion teaches something of this to everyone. Less or more, it's all there. And I have taught this many times, but it bears repeating. Everyone knows something about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. Everyone knows something of the truth, it seems. But do they really know the truth about sin, the truth about righteousness, and the truth about judgment? Do they really know the truth? We use, every one of us, the whole world over, uses the law of God that is written on our hearts. We use the law to benefit those who do good to us and stop those who do bad to us. This is the coercive power of the law. Five Wal Walgreens have closed in San Francisco because the police have stopped prosecuting and arresting thieves. When you don't have a curb of the law, people will simply do what they want without regard for another person. And even those who steal, though they may justify it, know that it's wrong because they wouldn't want somebody to steal from them. But this law that everybody uses in his daily life is not truly known by everybody. That is, they don't really recognize the true import and seriousness of what the law requires. And so also they don't understand the depth of the evil that the law actually reveals. We don't understand by nature what sin, righteousness, and judgment truly are. The truth doesn't just merely govern our outward behavior. And who can see another's heart? How do we even recognize our own hearts? How do we judge rightly? Every one of us has made a false accusation against another because we judged wrong. Jesus goes to the Father to teach us the truth. That's why he goes to him who sent him. And the Father sent him to reveal to us the truth. He told Pilate, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate replied with a cynical, what is truth? Well, Jesus showed what the truth is. What does it mean for him to go to the Father, to him who sent him? Well, who among us can go to the Father, to the Almighty Maker of all things? Who can find him and approach him? And how would we do it? Now, those who deny that someone made them are under a deep delusion. Every building has a builder. To believe that our eyes and ears and hands and all our organs and members of our body are the result of chance is absurd and foolish, no matter how many people try to believe it, no matter how many degrees they have. That, that they can even think, and that they can prefer good to happen to them over evil, or that they can speak the words should and ought, or act like they or others are supposed to do anything, condemns them who deny that God made them. There are some who even try to say, well, everything's just 
determined by some force and therefore there is no moral responsibility at all. The reason, and this is because the reason that men deny that God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, is because they don't want to go to the Father. Because if they did, they would have to admit they have not lived as he made them to live, as they know he made them to live. They can't go to the Father without trembling in terror at what he might think of them and their sins or judge them for. And so they deny that he has any authority over them at all. And then they try to come up with excuses, just like a four-year-old caught in the act of doing something blames another kid as if blaming the other kid will absolve him. So they try to figure out ways to show that God is evil. Their hearts become callous so that they deny sin while claiming that they are right, that they are righteous. And they judge others who judge them as if that would help them escape judge. That is not the truth. No truth comes of that at all. It is a false refuge. And that is the source of nearly every religion on earth. People trying to escape judgment. What does it mean for Jesus to go to the Father? It means for him to show us what sin, righteousness, and judgment truly are. And he reveals this to us in his life, sufferings, death, and resurrection. And the Spirit of Truth convinces us of this by the whole truth that he revealed to Jesus' apostles when he led them out into all truth, and which they wrote down for us in the New Testament, which confirms that the promises and prophecies of the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus shows us first what sin is. Sin is not merely an outward harm that prevents us from living a happy life here on earth. It is much deeper than that. It is the loss of God. Sin, St. John tells us, is lawlessness the law tells us to love God and our neighbor. When we rebel against the law, we are pushing God away. We are claiming the right to love ourselves more than we love our neighbor. It is rebellion, sin is. Rebellion against the love that God made us for. God didn't make us to hate him. God didn't make us not to trust in him. It is just as ridiculous that someone doesn't believe that God made him as it is to believe that we have any reason not to trust in him. Why would some all-powerful God create us just so that we would doubt him and hate him when he has shown that what he has made is good? Our hands can move, our eyes can see, our tongues can taste. We can feel love for each other. He has given us a mind that desires what is good. People will argue. They will say that God has taken something or someone precious to them. Maybe they're right. They will argue that the other person did worse than he did and that his revenge and the hatred in his heart is justified, is righteous. Finally, their argument is not the truth. It is finally wrong. Sin is not something that leaves you when you blame someone else. Sin is not something you can correct by merely changing your outward behavior. Because sin comes from the heart. Before the thief steals, he was greedy. Before the adulterer adulterates, he lusted. 
before the sinner blasphemed, he rejected God in his heart. He trusted in someone else. And Jesus tells us why the spirit of truth convicts or convinces the world of sin, because they do not believe in me. That's what he says. Isn't that amazing? He will convince the world about sin because they don't believe in me. Well, this is very offensive to the world. Sin is not believing in Jesus? Isn't sin hurting others? Isn't sin doing any number of things that are wrong, that hurt people, or suffering any number of evils from someone else? If you think so, then listen to the truth. Jesus did not sin. He did not harm anyone. He knew no sin. He was without sin. His life testifies of it. Read the Gospels. Even in his anger when he overturned the table in the temple for the money changers, he was defending the poor. He healed. He defended even sinners because he loved them. He turned the other cheek. He gave his back to those who whipped him. He has no sin. He has not rebelled against God. He has not loved anybody more than he loves himself. And yet he suffers for all sin. All of that harm that people complain about, that we see in our lives, that we, don't, that we look away from. My brother yesterday sent us brothers a, a website that showed pictures of aborted babies. And I didn't want to see it, so I didn't click on it. But then he sent it again because he saw that nobody clicked on it or said anything about it. So I looked. The world is full of so much evil. It's so sad to see. And we look away from it. But Jesus did not look away from it. He went to the Father. His going to the Father was facing our sin. Every sin the world has committed and knows. The worst of it all. But Jesus bore in his body on the tree. He bore the sins of abortionists and rapists. He bore the sins of Hitler. He bore the sins of Stalin. He bore the sins of every horrible person that the world doesn't mind maligning. But more than that, he bore the sin of you and me. To deny that Jesus died for the sin of the world and suffered the punishment that everyone must admit, admit we deserve is to hold on to the sin, and it is not to know the truth about sin. It is to act as if we can change the world and get rid of sin. As if our little arguments about justice and our little improvements of our life could possibly raise us from the grave, or could possibly deal with what sin really is. None of us in dealing with our sin, whatever habits that are bad and sinful we have, or whatever horrible things that we regret, or whatever evil thoughts we have harbored in our hearts, we have never gone to the Father to get rid of them. Jesus did. And only He did. He is the truth. No other religion, no other religion will give it to you. And this is the offense of the cross that the Bible speaks of. That we can do absolutely nothing to rid ourselves of sin. And that is precisely our sin, the sin of man's natural religion. That he can rescue himself from not trusting in God. That he can save himself from thinking evil of the one who made him. 
or that he can teach himself to love others as much as he loves himself. And he'll come up with all sorts of excuses. He'll say, well, evolution made me this way, survival of the fittest, or something like that, as if that's the truth. He is offended that none of his efforts will help, and this is truly what we have to face, that none of our efforts will help us, and that only Jesus can truly show us what sin is. Sin is so terrible that it requires the Son of God to come down from heaven and offer himself in our flesh as the payment and substitute for what would destroy us and cast us into hell, which is nothing less than to be away from God forever. Because we didn't want to be with him here on earth. We didn't want to go to the Father. We didn't want to show him or him to see who we really are. Sin is not believing in Christ. And this is why Jesus says these words. I think they are fascinating. <clears throat> he repeats them in all the Gospels, or the Synoptic Gospels. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men. All sins will be forgiven the sons of men. And whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. The only sin is not believing in Christ. All sins will be forgiven the sons of men. The one who is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, that is saying that he is not the spirit of truth, never has, never possesses forgiveness. Why? Because he's not confessing his sin. He's not confessing the truth. He can't free himself from sin. He is not confessing that he needs Jesus who went to the Father for him. The world teaches that we can handle our sin. The spirit of truth says we can't. Therefore, whatever sin is in your life that you regret, that you struggle against still, do not believe the world that says it is no small thing. You know it's not. Look at what it has done to your soul. Instead, turn to the Son of Man who was made to be sin for you, because there is no sin that will not be forgiven you, no matter how blasphemous or evil. Because Jesus went to the Father and faced him with your sin, covering him in his body, in your place, when you couldn't, when you would have been condemned, but look at who was condemned in your place. Look at that love. Look at that truth. You cannot know sin in its proper place. It will be excused. It will be denied. It will be mitigated. It will be dealt with all sorts of programs. But you will not know sin in its proper place unless you see it on Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Believe in him. Believe the spirit of truth. And you will see sin where Jesus has put it, in the depths of the sea as far away from you as the east is from the west. Because Christ is risen. And when he rose, the sin was gone. And nobody else has done that. Jesus is the truth. The world also lies about righteousness. Righteousness is just the opposite of sin. She parades her good works to gain some standing in this world's place, and all the religions of the world speak peace, peace, and their method towards peace is in their own good works. I don't know how many college students I've met, how many people I've met in my years, my short years of this world, who believe in a god or a religion or a guru or something along those lines simply because they have offered them something that they can do to make their lives better here on earth. That is their entire reason, every single time. 
It is always so that they can see themselves better than they were before. It is a righteousness that they do which they can see. Jesus says that the spirit of truth will convince us of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. The righteousness of the world is not going to the Father. It is not facing who God really is. They cannot stand before God with their outward works, with their spiritual exercises that make them think they are separate from other evil people or the bad habits that they've cracked. The only righteousness that can stand and that can remain is the righteousness of the Father who made us all to be righteous approves of. This is the Father's righteousness. But who has gone to the Father with complete love and perfect righteousness and patience that endures suffering? Only this man, Jesus. Only the only begotten of the Father. Only him. The world says, look at this righteousness. Look at my righteousness. I'm better than that murderer over there. I am not poor in spirit. I am rich. Therefore, I am blessed. And every religion offers this. That's why, why they say all religions are the same. It's like, they just say, oh, it's just about being righteous. So who are you to say your, your way of being righteous is better than mine? As long as you love each other. As long as you love each other. But what Jesus is saying, what the Spirit of Truth says, is that the, this is not a righteousness you can trust in. That righteousness, people, men may admire, but it doesn't rise from the grave. It stays dead. We have loved ones that we have seen buried and we love them, but we don't expect, as we reminisce on the good that they have done, that that good, that righteousness, will raise them up so that we can feel them again and see them again and talk to them again. They only trust in righteousness that they see, because they only trust in righteousness that they have done. And that is the religion of the world. But their righteousness doesn't deliver them from the grave, it doesn't from the death that comes from the unrighteous. Jesus' righteousness is his going to the Father, his obeying him in our place, his offering his innocent life for us and suffering the punishment that the law justly threatens against all those who forget God and worship themselves and the creation and whatever gods they invent that will approve of their works. But they can't see Jesus' righteousness. They can't see it and so they don't believe it. But blessed are those, Thomas Blessed are they that have not seen but have believed. Blessed are those who hear the spirit of truth declare to you what Jesus has won, what belongs to him, because he went to the Father and gained it for you. It is only received by faith, this righteousness, not by what you do. It is only received by faith in what the Holy Spirit takes from Jesus, what he offered to the Father, and now declares to you. All of the Father has is mine. Therefore I said to you, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He gave the Father everything you need. All of the righteousness. Everything. People get jealous. They get mad. Because when they're under the law, they can only look at Christians as people who think that they're better than them because that's what the law, that's the only religion the law ever actually comes up with is that I can compare myself to another person. And there are many Christians who act that way. Or people who claim that they're Christians. That is not the righteousness we trust in. That I'm better than that schmuck over there. I'm not talking about you, John. Sorry, I didn't mean that. St. Paul says, let everyone consider the other as better than himself. Huh. That's an interesting way to live. Again, we see the offense of the cross. 
Natural man wants to be glorified because of his own works. Jesus is glorified when the Comforter comes to poor sinners who have no righteousness that isn't tainted with their selfish sin. And he declares to you that God regards you as righteous because of Jesus' obedience in your place. Jesus is glorified when the truth about who he is and about what righteousness is is given to you in his words that are spirit and life. He is glorified as the angels sing, Glory be to God on high and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What gives God glory is the same thing that gives you peace. It is knowing that whatever you feel you have fallen short of, Jesus has fulfilled it. Whatever punishment you are afraid of, Jesus has suffered. That is righteousness. You can't see it, but you have to believe it. You have to hear it. You have to listen to it. You graduates, if you don't hear the Spirit of Truth speaking to you, you will hear only the world, and you will hear only your own natural flesh telling you to trust in your own righteousness. You know this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the cross which tells you that you have nothing without Jesus. Instead, if you have the righteousness that the Father accepted, and Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and it is finished, and you have the truth. You have the truth that Jesus, of what Jesus is and has accomplished, and you will have what the world can't give you. And the world lies about judgment. She argues and argues about what is right and wrong. <coughs> Just go on social media. No, don't. Don't go on social media. It's just one big argument. That's all it is. She argues and argues about what's right and wrong. And she'll call Christians haters for saying what God says about what is right and wrong. Just as the religious leaders of Jesus' day judged him as an insurrectionist and a criminal for not regarding their works and telling them that they need, them, need him, and so they do today, whether Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. And they use... They excuse their own sins by judging those who confess their sins to Christ. They change the law of God with human laws, as if they could actually change what's right and wrong, as if legality is the same thing as morality. The psalm says they devise iniquity by means of a law. They're still doing it. They invent sins with their judgment so that they can silence those who know that Jesus alone is the judge of the living and the dead. They say we can fornicate, as if God made us for no other purpose than to fulfill our desires. Their judgment is wrong. No one has ever lovingly fornicated. No one has ever lovingly sodomized. No one has ever lovingly killed a baby in the womb. No one has ever lovingly deprived his worker of wages he needs to support his body and life. No one has ever lovingly started an unjust war. No one has ever lovingly stolen from someone to give to others. No one has ever lovingly told a man that he was a woman, or a woman that she was a man. Their judgment against those who oppose these things is only their desire to deny their sin and declare themselves righteous. Their judgment is always to tear others down so that they will not be judged. But that doesn't work. That's not the truth. Just because you show that another person is guilty does not mean that you have shown that you are innocent. And their judgment finally doesn't judge the prince of this world. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will convict the world or convince the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The world's judgment is the judgment of the prince of this world. The devil teaches us that our bodies are ours to do with as we please. 
that our hearts are ours to believe whatever the world finds convenient at the time, that our lives are ours, our lips are ours, who is Lord over us. We are like gods, knowing good and evil, able to judge. That's about the truth of it. But Jesus teaches us by the spirit of truth that this world's prince is judged on the There was a tree, and he came in the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil came and said, Did God really say? He said, You will not surely die, but you will become wise, like God, knowing good and evil. And that was a lie. But there is another tree, and it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When Jesus is lifted up on the cross, Every evil is known by him, even as he knows all good. And when he dies on that cross and tastes the fruit of sin, which is death, he crushes that liar's head. He judges him to be a liar. So that when the devil goes after you and says, you need to die because of your sins, Jesus says, liar, I died. You're judged. Whoever believes in the Son shall not see death. Whoever believes, whoever believes my word shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. And so all judgment is on the cross. And there is judgment now. It is the judgment that we feel when we don't feel like singing the new song, when the world's truths of sin and righteousness and judgment seem more important. When we have failed and sinned and walked away from God, when we have not loved, when we have made excuses, when the world is stronger than us and our hearts condemn us and the devil seems to be in charge. But he isn't, because Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead to tell you the truth, that he calls upon every one of us to find your sins on him, washed away to wash yourselves again in the waters of your baptism that flowed with blood from his side to cleanse you and then he judges you he looks into you and he looks all around you and he says i see nothing but righteousness i see nothing but goodness because i have taken your sin away i have clothed you in righteousness and all the world may condemn you I don't condemn you. Just as that woman was caught in adultery and said, neither do I condemn you. It doesn't matter. The truth doesn't come from your heart. It comes from the spirit of truth whom Jesus breathed into his disciples and said, peace be with you. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. So that is the judgment. When you hear a pastor say, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sin, that is the judgment. That is the judgment that you live on and that you will die with. When you have, are on your deathbed and all of life's regrets are coming to you and you wonder, have I done enough? What about this? What about that? Because the devil will do that to you. And you remember this judgment that Jesus knows about, that Jesus teaches you. You remember the truth. It is not in the devil. It is not even in your own conscience at that point. It is in the gospel of the forgiveness of sins. It is in your baptism. It is in the body and blood given to you that made full satisfaction for the sin of the world. And the Holy Spirit, the word for this, I can't stand that translation, helper. It's just a generic thing. I mean, it's a good word, fine. 
But the word is the same word as is used for Jesus in 1 John 1. He is our advocate. He pleads for us. He comforts us. He counsels us. He gives us the truth when our own hearts can't give it. He defends us with the truth of who Jesus is. He says, you don't, what have you done? Look at what Jesus has done, and he declares it to you. It changes your mind. It changes your heart. It comforts you. So we receive with meekness the implanted word. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, not ourselves, not the world. It comes from him, and we recognize it when we have this word. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. And we cling to that word. We cling to this seed that has been planted in our hearts in our baptism that teaches us an ever-blooming new song about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. When the truth was vindicated, the truth that sets us free from sin gives us a perfect righteousness and confidence in the day of judgment. That is the song that we now sing and that we will sing forever. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.